Hey, it's Casey Cheshire from EO Boston. It's an honor for my team at Ringmaster to partner with EO Atlanta to produce this great podcast. If you're interested in an experience share around what it takes to launch a podcast, how to be a better host, or a great guest, shoot me an email at casey at ringmaster.com. And now back to the show. Entrepreneurship is hard. So let's fix that and dive into our hero's journeys. This is Taking Flight, an entrepreneur's journey, and I'm Sarah Torville. Join me as we delve deep into the passions, expertise, and experiences of those already in flight. This show is sponsored by EO Atlanta. Hello and welcome everybody to the Entrepreneur's Flight Podcast. It's phenomenal to be here today. I'm really, really delighted about the guest that we are talking to today. He is a natural leader, extremely driven, a critical thinker, a trusted partner, entrepreneur, decision maker, and problem solver. He's even the regional chair and the global committee member of EO Atlanta, CEO and founder of Impressive, CEO and founder of Sherpa. Oh my gosh, it's David Falfoni. David, welcome. Thank you. Wow. I, I, I... I read well. I don't know if it's all true, but uh, it felt really good to hear all that. You did. You do read well. You've accomplished a lot, which is hence why you are on our podcast today. So, um, yeah, I'm really glad to have you here with us on this wet and rainy day. So let's get straight into it, David. Our first question I want to ask you is when you took your flight into your entrepreneurial journey, what did you get right? So I've been thinking about this, um, and it even came up in some conversations with my team this week is, you know, hindsight, you know, I feel like 2020 vision gives you the illusion, um, that, you know, cause and effect that, um, you begin to make your own narrative, like, this is what I did. And therefore I'm successful or I've had the success. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to be careful of that because. When I made those decisions, I had no clue what was about to happen, right? We don't know the future. We can't predict the future. Um, so yeah, what, what did I get right? Um, you know, I think the first thing I kept right is I had parents that were ever makes not, not a decision I made, but I was born into a situation where, um, my parents both came from different countries and came to the United States and this was an opportunity. Uh, that I seized, right. As I, as I, as I became an entrepreneur, but that had to happen. If that didn't happen, I don't think I could have done what I've been, do what I want to do, what I've been doing, uh, anywhere else. Um, also there's just sort of that immigrant, um, work ethic. I think it's been important to me. I uh, grew up middle-class, uh, had to figure out how to be successful because it was not going to be inherited. So I think that was important to getting things right. Um. That's great. I think start, starting, starting young. So I started when I was 18, um, on my first business, actually a little bit younger. Um, I incorporated when I was 18, um, had started it when I was 16, but I incorporated when I was legally able to, and I had energy and I had no obligations. And so I think that was probably, you know, I could make mistakes and the impact of those mistakes and I could learn from them hopefully. Right. Uh, but the impact was not that big of a deal back when I was 18, it would be a lot harder if I was to do it now. I'd be a lot more conservative with my risks. 
you became an entrepreneur when you were 18. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Wait to get into that. Don't tell me about yeah. that now. I'm, I'm gonna we're going to get into that. that. Yeah. I'm going to dig into that. But some great comments there. Um, yeah. Really interesting. And I can tell a lot of personal rationale to your success too. Um, yeah. I think part of it is, is reflecting to figure out, you know, again, how I make better decisions. Um, to make a lot of decisions throughout my career. And so I want to make the best decisions for the next one, the next one and the next one. So part of it is reflecting what went, what worked well with this decision. And honestly, what didn't, because I don't want to make the same mistake. Um, so yeah, uh, having a lot of time to make a lot of good, uh, a lot of mistakes and then learn from them. That's what I got right. So let me just ask you, you mentioned like being an immigrant or your parents from another country. How do you think that helped you get things right though? Um, it opened me up to not limiting my perspective to just the United States. And so my current, um, development team has worldwide and that's the global and Sherpa global. Um, and that was a decision I made midway into my career as an entrepreneur. Um, I had the relationships. So my mother is from Uruguay, um, or Uruguay. I'm, I'm told to pronounce it, but Uruguay is how many Americans would read it. Um, and I met some friends of the family and they became my uh, primary development team and they've introduced me to people uh, in South America. And that's how I've been able to expand. And now we have members in, in, in Chile, uh, Argentina um, and Uruguay. So we have them all through South America now. I love that. So you're right. It forced you to look beyond our boundaries of what we have in the U.S. and yeah, think think global. So yeah, um, yeah that's really really great perspective. So thank you for sharing that. So who are or who were your co-pilots on this journey, David? Yeah. So my first co-pilot, um, where I met him when I was in middle school. And we were in soccer class, gym class, playing soccer and argued about at that time, the Pentium chipset, the CPU. And I argued my 586 was faster than his 486 with subsection set frame. Anyways, we were nerds. I met a fellow nerd and he became my co-pilot. Um, he became a very good friend. Uh, and at one point he, he came from a family of entrepreneurs. So that mattered a lot too. Um, and also he was a genius software developer. Absolutely. I have no questions, um, about that, but he was a terrible business person, terrible at operations, not really good at strategy, good at sales. He could sell, he could sell a good idea. Um, but just off execution. Um, and to this day, he's now a CTO at another company. Um, and, and I'm continuing the entrepreneurial journey. Um, but if I didn't have that relationship, I, I, I would not be worrying today if, uh, if I hadn't met that person. And what do you think he brought to the table for you? Like, what do you think that, how did you compliment each other? So, um, interestingly, uh, our, our, our staff call each other, called us the parents, uh, mom and dad. Um, he was a very logical person. Um, and I was very emotional from the gut. Um, and so he was the back end of the, of the, of the operation. He was uh, programming, he was development, he was technology platform, all the stuff that mattered as we developed that business. 
And that was the front end. How does it look? The marketing, the messaging. Um, um, even at that time, I was the creative director for that company. Um, so it was uh, form and function. We're able to, to unite and we needed both to be doing what we were doing, which was web software development. Right. And that is so true, isn't it? It's like those co-pilots, co you know, we can't be expected to be good at everything. Yeah. And they bring things to the table that we don't have. Like you said, he was, he was the logic. You were the gut. You were the feeling. I love that. So yeah. it's so critical to have those people around you. That's great. It does. It does. But at the same time, that was the first on enterprise, right? The second enterprise, uh, because there was some conflict along the way, right. you know, this was not drama free. Um, there was conflict, uh, we saw things very differently. Um, and ultimately the second enterprise, uh, I went alone. So I did not have a business partner in the second time. And that's why I looked at an organization like EO, because I wanted to have those conversations because I couldn't have it with my, my, at that time I didn't have a, a wife, but my, 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 my girlfriends did want to talk about it. Um, <laughs> my, my family didn't understand entrepreneurship. They were, that's not what they did. Mm -hmm. Um, and my, I couldn't talk to my team, my team about it, my friends. So, um, yeah, it was kind of lonely. And so my co-pilot in very many ways, my second enterprise became the entrepreneurs organization. Yeah. You know what? I love that. You're the first person I've heard say that. And it, it's so true. They really are. They are like a co-pilot. We should, we should look at them like that. Uh, cause yeah, it, can I think... be, it can be lonely, can't it? Like we said, it, it can be very lonely. It was only for me before I got myself involved too. And it's, um, people don't, even if you think people want to listen to you, they really don't if they're not, you know, running a business because they don't get it. Yeah. Mm. And that was part of the uh, arrangement with, with my wife and getting buy-in for the time I was going to invest in the EO is I get to have those conversations with my forum, with my business colleagues that I meet, my peers, and I don't have to bring it home. Yeah. Because honestly, she doesn't want to hear about it. Um, she cares about, you know, me, but you know, well, how this happened at the office, you yeah. know, let's talk about the family, what we're doing yeah. and, uh, and how we're growing our family, not, not the business. Cause yeah. I treated the business like it was my family. Right. So I had to find that, that she helped me find those, uh, limitations. So there, that is another co-pilot in all this is your spouse, your significant other. Oh, a hundred percent. No, you, I believe in that too. Yeah. Okay. That's so, so great that you've shared insight on that multiple co-pilots. Uh, even yeah. EO being a co-pilot. So, so what is a challenge you and your team had to solve recently, David? Uh, most recently I would say is responding to the great resignation. Um, and you know, the first thought, oh, your team, right? We haven't lost any team members. That's not the problem. The problem is our clients. Um, you know, we had clients comprising about half of our business. We lost our champions at those at those organizations, at the CXO level, VP level. Um, and they all just went to do something different. Uh, they found that they weren't unhappy in their, in their role at that organization. And those were our champions. And we came in and we, and we had the relationships because of those people. And then they weren't there anymore. Yeah. Um, so we lost a lot of business and it would all was not, it wasn't performance. It wasn't my own team. It wasn't anything about the economy. It was people were leaving the relationships that we had built, spent a lot of time building just disappeared, uh, within a week, two weeks gone. Very difficult. Yeah. Very difficult. You're right. 
I mean, those are the relationships which, yeah, you have those trusted relationships at the client base. And when they go, sometimes that either means you're out or you've got to rebuild those relationships again. Yeah, that's exactly what we had to do things differently is um, to rethink and, and, and adapt and figure out how do we rebuild those relationships? How do we leverage this as an opportunity? Meaning they're going to go somewhere else, right? Um, and how do we stay connected with them in a meaningful way that when they're ready in a year or two, uh, we're there to help them. Yeah. So how did you do that? Like, what, what is the solution that you've developed? Maybe you're still working on it. What does that look like? Uh, that is what we're currently working on. Um, but it is very much, um, trying to get as much, uh, find a new champion. So identify upfront, be strategic about it. Don't wait. It won't just happen but figure out who are we going to nurture and groom as the new champion. Um, and what will that take? Are they kind of an in-person uh, preference or do they prefer virtual, do they prefer calls, video conference? What do, what do they need? Because we all have a different approach to business, so we have to figure that out. Um, staying connected with those who had um, resigned and left. Um, and also figuring out how your products and services can be stickier. And now how do we make it hard and painful to make the decision to go with someone else that maybe your preferred vendor, you're new to an organization, you prefer your vendor, but the current vendor, man, they, they've done a great job. So I can't just say that's the reason why they need to go. Um, and also it's gonna be really expensive for, for me to switch them because they have a lot of institutional knowledge, whatever it might be. So we're trying to figure out what makes us sticky and how do we lean into that more? Yeah. Do you have any piece of advice for other people maybe facing a similar challenge? Because obviously the global retention issue, it's everywhere. And like you say, it's not just about who we hire, it's our, it's our contact. So what advice would you give to somebody else who's struggling with the same thing? You know, one thing we're working on and thinking about a lot is for the past two, three years, a lot of how we did business moved from in-person to virtual. Um, and our team is, is is remote. My entire team is remote. Um, and we're used to that. We're comfortable with that. Um, as, as developers, uh, technologists, we kind of prefer it, but our clients do not. A lot of our clients prefer in person. And so we're trying to figure out more opportunities, um, to be in person. Uh, we're trying to figure out more opportunities to celebrate the wins. And what I mean by that is, for example, when a site goes live, let's throw a party. Um, let's, I learned the other day, send them a cake, <laughs> send yes, them a birthday cake. That, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a fantastic idea. Put their logo on it, put the date and whatever of the launch, um, celebrate. We don't do enough celebrating. Um, and then come back every year and celebrate again. Every year's of the time to remember, remember that thing that we did a year ago and all that stress. Yeah. It's been a year since then. Let's talk about it. Let's re let's relive and rekindle those, those hopefully some positive thoughts. Yeah. Um, so yeah, try to celebrate and revisit celebrations mm -hmm. is like one that. thing we think might be helpful. We'll find out, but we think that might be helpful. Yeah, that's some great advice. Right, we need to enjoy those those wins, and it's not all work, 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 is it? There's a level of time to you know to pat our clients on the back too. They got through it too when they developed yes. something great. Yeah, yeah. Multiple people were involved, and in, and let's remind each other. Um, the other thing that we're doing, I just, that's sort of prompted the thought is we're investing, um, in closing out projects with post, um, uh, mortems. 
um, which is it's pretty standard with in corporate America, but we just haven't been doing it. Ultimately, it's so we can say this was successful and the year we come back and measure what's changed from now. And then we capture that. So that becomes a showcase for us to say, look, the impact that we had, but also reminds them you did something important for your organization. You pushed something forward and this is the result of it. And let's talk about that. Let's, let's reflect on that and, and, and be clear, maybe how we can help you improve again. Um, so spending the time, again, it's not really billable. It's not something you can charge, but it's an investment in let's capture the success of this and, and, and revisit that as part of that anniversary too. Yeah, that's great. And that helps, helps you to demonstrate ROI, doesn't it? How exactly. you've been able to be impactful to that business. Yeah. So was there a favorite book that you referenced during that challenging time? I know you're still kind of building solutions right now. Is there, is there something, is it a podcast? I don't know. Is there something you'd like to share yeah. with our viewers the, the and listeners? Yeah, the podcast that I, um, you know, it's actually a podcast I do a transcription of, and I read the, tra the tra um, transcript, um, but it's called Startup Therapy. Um, and just that right there, celebrating, that was one of the things they talked about is entrepreneurs are terrible at remembering uh, things to celebrate, to things just, uh, to, to be, um, to find um, optimism in, but to remember how hard it was from when you started. So for example, when was the last time you celebrated covering payroll? Remember when it was hard to cover payroll? Remember yeah. how you just didn't know? Sometimes you weren't covering payroll. And maybe recently that happened again with COVID and the pandemic. But it's like, we stopped celebrating that. But how hard was that to do really when we first point. started? That's a really good point. We yeah. take it for granted. And yeah. so part of it is to go back. Don't take it for granted because that's hard. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah. You know, I had, I had a team member talk about, um, you know, we're in the middle of shifting from a services base to a product base. We want to be more of a product based um, company in the future. And that is a, the product that you mentioned earlier, Impressive. Um, and I mentioned like, yeah, it's like we're just not making the progress we need to do and, and, and so forth. He's like, David, what do you mean the progress? Like we've made progress. There's the celebration. Why do we have to be, you're, you're, you, know, you have this goal in mind and yes, we have not met that goal, but have we made progress toward that goal? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. It's like, yeah. why not celebrate that? It's like, that's yeah. a great perspective. I agree. That is a very good perspective. I need to, I need to think more about that for my own business. You're right. Yes. We need to celebrate. Okay. That's another celebrate. good reason to go do something fun. I love it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's so, so important. Um, I remember when I moved over from England to America and then heard that payroll happens twice a month. I was mm. like, what? I mean, like that, I know it's, it's still half, you know, you're paying the same amount, but I remember thinking, what do you mean? I mean, like even once a month was like, okay, it's the 30th of the month. I got a month to get there, but then it was suddenly two weeks. And I, honestly, I did find that difficult to wrap my head around and then get, make sure I was always ready with payroll. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> and, and it making some, in some businesses, it might be weekly too. Right. That, so it, it depends on the business. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. That would really be too much. <laughs> I guess more maybe the, the service and restaurant business is weekly, but um, well, yeah. that's true. That's very true. Yeah. Okay. So what excites you about the future, your future flight, David? Yeah. Um, you know, I've been doing this for a number of years. Um, I think it's 25 years, but, um, 
you know, I was reflecting about all those years has been pr primarily a services-based uh, uh, company that I've had, whether it's software development or digital marketing, it's, it's really been professional services. The, I call it the billable hour. Um, and moving away from that and creating things with the product. Um, so having a product, working with the team to create something together. It's what we are hired to do for our clients, but we don't do it for ourselves. And so this is our opportunity to be like, you know what? We are never going to be told, no, that's, I don't want to do that because I don't have the budget. Well, now we make that decision. Um, do we have the budget? <laughs> how do we, how do we make the budget appear? But, um, it's up to us to figure out how to build it, to market it, um, the messaging, um, the design, everything. We have every bit of power to make those decisions. So it's really exciting to think about, we get to create something and that's kind of a gift from all those years of creating things for other people is we now have the, the experience and the knowledge and know-how to create our own thing. Mm -hmm. So is that's what you is that what impressive is then? That is what impressive is. Um, it's a, uh, a software as a service, um, that we, we've been working on, on the side and, uh, I've made the decision that that is going to be our future for the next five years right. is to go move from it being a, a, a fraction of what we do to the majority of what we do. Wow. Exciting. Okay. That's really, really good. So who are you like pre-flight you started, I mean, you started entrepreneurism at the age of 18. Can you take me back even before then? Like, again, you had some, your parents from, from overseas. I, I know I was kind of digging into this a little bit earlier. Mm. I would love to kind of know what those milestones were for you before you took that journey. Yeah. Um, my, uh, why never, I don't see myself as an entrepreneur and, but my, my family and friends very much do. Um, you know, this goes back to being that person that had a lemonade stand doing, um, I was a newspaper delivery boy. Um, when I was what, eight years old, I think that was my first job when I was eight, uh, on my bicycle that I got as a birthday gift, uh, uh, and, uh, a green, uh, happy bike. I remember it perfectly. Um, I would do coat checks for my, my parents would have a party on like new year's or Christmas and I would have a tip jar and I would do a coat check. Like those are things I did on my own. And I did it because I wanted money to buy things that I enjoyed to do. Um, I liked, um, video games. I liked computers already at that age. And that was my way to afford that, um, to buy video games. Um, yeah. So I think it all started with that. Um, the other key thing I enjoyed, uh, was theater. Uh, I did a lot of performance arts as a kid, nothing like I got paid to do. Um, but, um, um, I went to performance arts camp. It was like the highlight of every summer was performance arts camp. Yeah. I still have those friendships. Um, I always got the lead role. Um, even though I, I, I was actually, that was in Ohio and I actually had moved to, to Georgia with my family and I would go back to Ohio and I would still get the lead role. Um. And then I just, I just loved, I love theater. I love performance, um, which is strange cause I'm an introvert. Um, but I enjoy making people, um, uh, think, feel, laugh, to oh, feel yeah. emotions and not necessarily positive emotions, but just to have a reflection, um, and to maybe have that send them in a different direction. 
um, through the story that I'm, I'm acting out. That, that's just, um, I really enjoy that aspect of, of, of live theater. So can you share any of those type of um, live theater shows you were in? Um, <laughs> I'm trying to imagine like what character you played. David. Yeah, so um, what the, <laughs> this was in high school. Actually, I'm going to tell the story of the one I didn't get. Um, okay. uh, it was in high school, and I had been in one of the um, uh, performances, and it was coming up for the, another one, and it was me, an all-female cast, but one male. And the uh, director's like, David, I want you to do it, but can you tap dance? And I was like, no, I, 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 you know, I, I've been playing piano since I was eight. I definitely have the musicality and the rhythm for it, but I don't know how to tap dance. I never took any lessons. He's like, oh man, if you had knew how to tap dance, then you would be the person for this role. It's perfect for you. It's very showy. You know, you're great at that. Um, you have a great presence, but you don't know how to tap dance. <laughs> and when I went to college. One of the first things I did um, two years later was sign up for ballroom performance. Yes. Because I was not going to let that happen again, that, yeah. that my inability to know how to dance um, would be a hindrance. Um, so I did ballroom performance um, as a result of not getting the role that was destined for me. There we um, go. You, learned, you learned, a good, learned a good lesson there. Yeah. That's really and interestingly enough, the, the, the ballroom performance has led to so many other relationships and, 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 and so forth. I met my wife effectively through ballroom. So it's been a key part of my, um, you know, my twenties and thirties was, was yeah. ballroom. So I have to ask at your wedding or whatever celebration you did, did you guys dance properly together? <laughs> we forgot to get our dance in, which, which is so funny. Uh, we forgot to get our dancing. Uh, we have, I and, and my wife uh, later on, um, we have actually taught uh, um, the bride and groom, you know, for their dance, waltzes okay. and rumbas and everything. So um, probably about a dozen, um, I, I've been able to to make sure that they were ready for their wedding. But my, my own wedding, <laughs> which we had a live swing band, we forgot to get our dancing. Live swing band. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, it's, the two most important things in a wedding is, yes. is live music and great food. Those are the yeah. two things. Yeah. Ideally alcohol too, but you know. <laughs> yeah. No, that sounds, well, it doesn't matter. It sounds like you had a great time anyway. The swing band would have been amazing. So. Yeah. Okay. So um, I would love to learn a little bit more like present day. And I appreciate you taking me back. To, I, it's nice to understand like where you've come from and the fact that you've never seen yourself as an entrepreneur. This has just been natural for you to always been out there thinking about earning money and servicing people and, you know, putting your best foot forward, which I think is excellent. But like present day, what problem do you solve? What impact have you made? You know, what do you do right now, David? So this is a lot of soul searching with that question, by the way. Um, yeah. And, you know, I mean, of course, provide for my family uh, and, 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 this, and, and you know, my, my team's families, make sure that we have business and we're doing the right thing, like all of that, but like impact, like the thing that I think that drives me the most, and, and I owe this to my wife who gave me this idea when we first met, is the importance of community. Um, 
you know, I myself, uh, my parents left their community, their home and came here. I have left, uh, uh, one state and, and moved to multiple locations around Georgia. Um, so, you know, I, it's the importance of community and all that is, is I think is because I didn't have it. Um, and, and I have very particular interests is how do I create community? Um, and how do I support that creation? And, and, and I bring this all, you know, what problem I saw today is with the product that I mentioned before, that's exactly what it ended up becoming. We didn't know at the time that that's what it would do, but how do we create, um, virtual online communities where people can connect on their own terms and communicate and understand each other better, um, without all the issues that are Facebook and Twitter and the toxicity that is associated with a lot of those, um, ideas is how do you create your own community and use technology to support it? That sounds amazing. And this is, this is the impressive. Is this what you're building right now? This is the impressive idea. It's, yeah. it's, um, 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 a private online community. Um, so do you can think of, of, of Facebook groups, for example, um, is, is sort of the idea behind it, but you know, it's your private community. It's your data. No right. one owns it. No one's advertising to you. They're not doing sleazy things like trying to get you to click on something that's yeah. rather, um, uh, not abrasive, but, um, um, shocking, right? Like Twitter, like the thing, it's not just what was important. It's what got the most likes and clicks, regardless of what it was, it could be a horrible thing that's being sh uh, shared right. around. Um, but how do we move away from that? How do we actually create a, a small community? where you can stay connected despite of, of physical limitations, um, despite, uh, even language barriers, you know, that's the big idea if, as, is the right. multi-language like capabilities that. of yeah. it. Yeah. So how do we connect people and so they can find each other and find interest and then engage with each other? Um, which is really what drew me to the, to the, to the web to begin with. Uh, I started my, um, I started with internet relay chat. Do y'all remember IRC? No. Um, Okay. So this is, a, again, started young, um, but it's kind of like, you remember, um, instant messenger, AOL instant messenger. Yeah. It's like that, but it was like not AOL owned. So it was just these, uh, online chat, um, channels that were, uh, not owned by, by any corporate corporation. It was, it was individuals. And I joined one called team music. I remember this, um, I had my handle and we would just talk about music that we liked. And that's what, all we did. And I would check in after school for 30 minutes an hour and just talk to people. I never met any of them. After right. sure I didn't meet some of them. I never um, knew, I didn't know any of them because they were all across the United States. Right. But we had a common interest around music and we just talked about it. And that's, that was my community mm -hmm. um, when, you know, and when I was a teenager. So, so are you going to be focusing on any types of groups or is it just anyone can go create their community? Whether that be Anyone? Like people who play guitars and you find people who play guitars like you and things like that. So it, it, it needs a, you know, it needs a champion. So someone has to say, I want to create this community. So ideally, you know, for example, uh, a use of it could be, um, you know, I live in Brookhaven and there is a, a bicycling advocacy group. And so that, that organization, um, can have their own instance where they uh, have people sign up and then maybe I'm interested in long rides. Maybe I'm interested in mountain biking, maybe I'm interested in, uh, commuting. And so you, you able to find people, you join a group and you can have a conversation with them. Right. Um, around that, a similar interest or a very specific interest, but someone has to say, I want to create this group yeah. and then yeah. see who else wants to join that conversation. Yeah. 
And this can be used for civic associations, professional networks. Um, uh, it could be used for schools. Um, anywhere there's a, 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 a school, uh, churches, for example, you know, mm-hmm. that we have. I love it because it feels to me that you're kind of pulling everything together that you care about. Yes. You know, you, you talk about software development, you talk about community, you talk about language barriers and, or, you know, parents from different countries and, you know, and then, you know, across borders beyond the US. And it feels like this is all like pulling together everything that you feel passionate about into one particular area. And I, I love that. I think I, from my experience, I think the best success happens when it's built on passion. Can't wait to see how that all develops for you. I'm excited for you and what you have going on. So, so an introspection question. I love this question, David. If you were to do this all again, would you do it all over again? Uh, I would. <laughs> I would. And there's many things, of course, I would well, I do things differently. I mean, again, that's hindsight, right? Um, yeah, I know what, I know the bad decision before now. Uh, so it's really easy for me to say that. Um, but just overall, would I do this again? Yes. That being said, I, I turn this question and I say, would I advise a friend to do this? And what I have found is I've had multiple uh, friends who have come to me. As Dave, you're an entrepreneur. What advice do you have? Um, a couple of them have been very successful. And, you know, it was things like give yourself two years. Um, you have to be all in. You can't do part-time working your corporate job and then do this on the side. At some point, you're going to have to make a decision and you don't have a business until you made that decision. Mm-hmm. And then you got to wait two years and make a lot of good decisions along the way. Yeah. So you have to have the finances or or at least the, um, a, the wherewithal that this will not happen in six months. This won't happen in a year. It's going to be at least two years. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would say do it. You, someone else, you should do it with this knowledge in hand, uh, with these expectations set, and it will not be fun. You know, I think a lot of people think that entrepreneurship is this wonderful, great thing. You can choose your own hours. It was years before I selected my hours. My customers selected my hours for me. Yeah, I agree. Um, but you know, I just think about this week. On Tuesday, I went for a bike ride. It was a beautiful, beautiful day in Atlanta. Perfect for a bike ride. The, the leaves were falling. Um, I was like, you know what? I haven't done this in a while. I'm going to take Tuesday off and, and just enjoy the weather and go for a bike ride. And it was very, uh, you know, uh, uh, invigorating to do that and to recharge and just, and, and I had all these ideas come to me while I was biking. I had, yeah. you know, no phone interruptions. It was, it was wonderful. Yeah. You know, my... yeah. that's why I would do it again. That's why I would do it all yeah. over again for that. And that's really great advice. I remember my father said to me about a couple of years ago, I remember being stressed out sitting in the back garden about work and i just said to him i just need to take some time off and he said to me the best thing you can do right now is take some time off because it's like Mm -hmm. until you take some time off and literally i mean you know i'm talking like i need a a day like you said going biking you come back with such a fresh perspective whereas i feel like sometimes we think we just got to keep our head down and keep moving forward and it's like actually you'll probably make better decisions if you take a break go cycling yes yeah Come back yeah. to it. Sometimes to move forward, you have to go back a little bit. You do. So you and one day is not a big day in the end, right? One no. day is not a big day. Not so. at all. But you led us so nicely onto my next question. 
which is what do you do outside of work? You mentioned cycling and so you're going to, yeah. and ballroom That's, dancing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I ballroom dancing. So I, I still like enjoy dancing. Um, I have not done as much now that I have kids. I love weddings for that reason. I love birthday parties. I love any place where there's dancing. Um, I've been to a couple entrepreneur organization, uh, events, EO events. And as some people will tell you, I am out there dancing. Um, sometimes it. it's just me. Sometimes my wife is there and it helps, but, um, I love music. I love dancing. If there is live music, it's a waste not to be dancing in my opinion. Yeah. That's um, good. so yeah. yeah, dancing when you can, um, but, uh, uh, Every year, well, every month I, um, I do for five years now, um, I do a trail run so I can be out in nature and just, um, go out there for an hour and just run. So there's a, actually a race series that I, I participate in and a couple actually, another people in our Atlanta chapter, uh, I've met there cause they're like, oh, I do it too. That's not uh, Ragnar. Is it David? Is that Ragnar? So, so Ragnar is one of the things I do. That's an annual yeah. event. Yeah. That, yeah. But yeah, the trail Ragnar I've been doing, um, for, for six or seven years now. Yeah. Um, and there are some, um, of our members who are also doing that as well, that we just hang out for three days and, and run, um, you know, about 15 miles each across the 24 hours. Oh, you've done it. Yeah. I've Look done, at this. I've done a few of them as well. So they're all hanging here. You can't see, but yeah. So yeah. I love Ragnar. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They have it the, uh, in Atlanta, they have it in different cities, but yeah, I think they do. the places. Yeah, yeah, I did one in Wisconsin, which was lovely as well, but they're tough. Um, they, they are, they are, but they remind, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a fast person by any means. I'm using one of the last people. Um, but I, I do, I do the Ragnar's to one. I enjoy just be outside, right? In yeah. nature. That's wonderful. Especially the night runs are fantastic. Yeah. It's just you and your breath and the steam from, um, your, um, from your breathing. Yeah. Um. But I do to remind me to, you know, about how important um, taking care of yourself is because I forget that a lot. I spend a lot of time in front of my computer. And so, um, it's a reminder, like this will be easier, David, if you go out and you run, uh, yeah. this will be easier if you take care of yourself. Um, so I do that to remind myself because I easily forget. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is cycling. I love to go to a different city or a different area or different place in the world. And just go get a bike and go cycling around, um, seeing, seeing the world by bike, um, is my favorite way to tour it. Not by a car, not on a, definitely not on a bus, definitely not on a cruise, but, um, on a bike, just you and your legs and, and just going where you can go. I love that. Mm -hmm. Sounds really good. You're making me want to go outside right now. It's raining, but I may, may go out there. Yeah. <laughs> It is, it Thank is you so much. This has just been so good. So David, how can people connect with you? What's the best way? Yeah. Um, you can definitely, uh, connect with me by email, David at, uh, SherpaGlobal.com. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. I am the only, uh, I'm, I'm one of, of 50 fell foldies in the United States. So if you type in fell folding to a search engine, and especially if you had David in front of it, you will find me. So, so, I'm, you're, so I'm, you're the only David Falfodi, are you saying? I am not the only. There is another one that is in Hungary that I have met oh. um, virtually. Uh, I actually I, I called him. We, we raised a phone call because you and I share the same name, and that is like two big people deal. in the world that have yeah. yeah, big deal. Um, okay. But 
Yeah. So David Paul Foldy, um, search for me online. Uh, I'm happy to connect on, on, on LinkedIn as well. Um, I'm also, you know, for any, for any member that's new to the organization or uh, any entrepreneur in Atlanta, um, I love being an entrepreneur and I love talking and sharing, hearing stories. Like, I love this series that we're doing. We're talking about people's journey. Um, here's Bernie. I think it's fantastic. Um, so I, I would love to meet and, and, and chat over a coffee. That's great. Thank you for sharing that, Dick. I agree. And for our EO listeners, especially our Atlanta people, please reach out to David if you want to learn more about David's journey or just learn more about EO. I mean, he used to be our president, so um, he did a great job if, as our president. If you guys ever want to be uh, go to live theater in Atlanta, um, I do have a uh, theater group that put together for EO. Um, Atlanta, but I love, I go to a life theater once a month. Okay. Um, so I'm, I've taken so many friends and colleagues and reintroduced them to theater. Um, I, that's probably one of the things I love to do outside of yeah. work is to uh, go to life theater and have a conversation about what happened. Did it move you? How did it make you feel? Yeah. Um, this, it makes for a great conversation. So I just signed up for that life theater, the theater one on the EO connect. So I. Saw that a few days ago. Put my name down. Yeah, I'm looking to create one for uh, February for us for all oh, the I would love that. Okay, sounds great. Okay, well, I have to say a really big thank you, David, for joining us today. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah, and thank you to our audience. If you learned something today or you laughed or just made you feel good hearing it, and hopefully there's been some really good educational tidbits for everybody, then please tell someone about our podcast. Again, thank you, David. It's been another exciting episode of EO Atlanta's Taking Flight, and I look forward to seeing everybody next time. And so that wraps up another episode. Thank you for joining. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at takingflight.live. For more information about EO Atlanta, visit eoatlanta.org. Special thanks to the following sponsors.